your Bibles this morning and turn to the epistle of 1 John, 1 John chapter 5, 1 John chapter 5 verses 14 through 17 is our text. Allow me to read verses 14 and 16, the even numbered verses. Would you please read with me in unison verses 15 and 17. Again, that's 1 John chapter 5 verses 14 through 17, reading responsively and as our custom and tradition is in respect to the reading of the word of God. I invite you to stand once more. 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 through 17, reading responsively. And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And we know that he hear us whatsoever we ask. We know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. If any man see his brother sin a sin which is not unto death, he shall ask, and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not say that ye shall pray for it. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is no sin not unto death. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Let's make our prayer. And now, Heavenly Father, Spirit of God, the author of these words, I pray that you might speak to every heart, beginning with the Christian this morning. We'll thank you for what you're going to do. Lord, I pray, Lord, that there be those who know not Christ as Savior, whether in the adult church or children's church downstairs, that no one will leave today without sins forgiven in a home in heaven. Do a work that only you can do in the hearts and lives of souls, and we'll thank you for it. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. 1 John chapter 5. Thank you, sound booth guys up there, by the way, for a great job. Choir did another great job. Uh, hey, tonight, uh, come on, don't just come for the hot dogs and hamburgers. I know you won't come for that. Some of you say, I won't come because I don't like hot dogs and hamburgers. We'll come anyhow. But uh, come, and uh, we're coming for the folks that, uh, of course, for the kids, of course. And we're really coming, first of all, for the glory of God is the real reason why we're coming. But uh, come for the new families that have visited us and look forward to a great evening tonight. And look, the sun is already starting to shine here, so I think it'll be a beautiful uh, maybe we didn't have to retreat downstairs, but we'll have again the, the cookout in the fellowship hall, and we'll come on up here, do our tug of war, and then come on up here for the last half hour of the closing assembly and ceremony and learn a little about the time machine. Of course, we saw David and we saw, let's see here, David and Jonah and Saul of Tarsus, who became Paul uh, these last three nights. They came from the, through the time machine, of course, and the kids had a great time. Uh, thank you, Dr. Bunsenburner, by the way, and uh, Chief Chemist Caleb uh, Schnur for taking care of things. By the way, the twins are supposed to be coming home here, hopefully, uh, maybe as early, possibly as early as tomorrow from Danbury Hospital. And so pray for uh, Ryan and, Re- uh, not Reagan, Ryan and Ryder to go along with Reagan. Amen. So, all right here. First John chapter 5. Before we get to our text verse, I want to just, in review, remind us where we've been in these last five messages in this chapter of 1 John 5. We preach a message from verses 1 to 3 entitled, I know God in his love brings confidence. Perfect love casts out fear. And there's a confidence, one of the key words of this book, uh, this, this no-so book. We looked at verses 4 and 5 and we see that I know victory. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Then we saw the key, cardinal, fundamental, fundamental, foundational doctrine to the Word of God in verses 5 through 10 of this chapter, that I know that Jesus Christ is God. 
not only the Son of God, but he's God the Son. We preached last week, or two weeks ago rather, on the subject of I know, I now, not waiting to have it, I now have, as a child of God, I now presently have everlasting life. And then last Sunday, of course, we looked at verse 14 and 15, and I know he hears me, he heeds me when I pray in his will, and he heals me, because that's the God that we serve. It brings us to our text verse this morning. It is verse number 16. Allow me to read it once more, please. In fact, let's read it together, all right? Verse 16, it is our text verse reading together. If any man see his brother sin a sin, which is not unto death, he shall ask, and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not say that ye shall pray for it. I was on the web the other day. We've come a long ways in America. I'm afraid we've come a long ways in the wrong way. But I was watching the preaching of J. Harold Smith, one of the probably maybe the five greatest messages that's ever been preached in American history. And I'm referring to his famous message that he preached. I saw, I, you can YouTube it yourself, and uh, probably the Orlando Baptist Church will come up, uh, maybe seats 10,000, maybe a Joel Osteen-style church 50 years ago. Crowd-wise, looked like 10,000 people in the auditorium is... J. J. Harold Smith preached for probably several hundred times, maybe a million people heard his message entitled, God's Three Deadlines. God has some deadlines, and Harold Smith said in the synopsis of his message that only lost souls can cross deadlines one and two, which deadline one would be the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit of God, Matthew chapter 12, it's found, verses 31 and 32, or the, what we call the unpardonable sin. It's deadline number two, that crossing over God's deadline to the point of no return, is sometimes known as sending away your day of grace. Proverbs 29 and verse 1 says that we should not harden ourselves, or harden our hearts, says in the day of provocation, for that soul shall suddenly be cut off and that without remedy. But the third deadline can only be committed by a Christian. And this third deadline is what is called the sin unto death. So I want to give you the in-your-face truth on purpose. It's very simple this morning. The in-your-face truth that we learned from this passage of Scripture before us, that is simply this. I know the Bible teaches the early homegoing of a Christian or pardon me, or early homecoming of a disobedient child of God. I know the Bible teaches the early homecoming of a disobedient child of God. Now, I pastored this church now for nearly 33 years, and I have to always be careful with illustrations, and, and I promise you I'll go to the grave with this thought process. You don't bother asking me. I will never tell you from now until I, because I could be wrong, but I, I think in the last 33 years of pastoring, I think of at least two individuals. In my opinion, I could be wrong. I think that God, they stepped out of line, they got out of sorts with, first of all, with God, with God's church, with their family in both cases, with their spouse. And I believe that God took them home to an early grave because of the sin of their, that sin of unto death, that sin of disobedience. 
I could be wrong. Maybe when I get to heaven, I'll find out I was wrong. But I am convinced that many, a thousand, hundred, and maybe you know of a one or two, down through the last 2,000 years of church history, I would guesstimate that there have been millions of Christians that God had a divine plan for their life, but they chose within their will, they chose to walk a different direction. And God did not take their salvation, but God took their human life. This is a very sobering passage of Scripture, and amazingly it comes, obviously verse 16 comes uh, on the heels of these five incredible, or these 15 incredible verses before us of all of positive, of victory, of confidence, of uh, confidence in prayer, confidence that Jesus is God, that we have the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. And yet we talk about this sobering sin. And let me just remind all of us that God has, there's some deadlines in your life and my life. Everybody's going to have a deadline. My mother called this morning and she told me that I, I was kind of three quarters listening and she said, Pastor Kuntz went home to be with the Lord uh, this week. I said, what? And it registered what she said. Her pastor from Florida, 76-year-old Pastor Kuntz, I heard him preach in January. And uh, mom said he died in his sleep a couple nights ago. And uh, wife woke up, of course, and shook her husband, and he was already in heaven, been in heaven for a few hours. We don't know, know, but we all have a, a deadline, an appointment where our life is no more. There's a deadline to this world, and it's going to end in the rapture of the catching away of the children of God. There's a deadline of earthly life. One day, everyone in this room will spend eternity forever and ever and ever. A place called heaven or a place called hell. Your deadline is coming. And I want to deal with the subject this morning that one of the key words of verses 16 and 17, as you notice, found several times, is the word sin. Now, I want to deal with the deadlines of sin this, this morning in the time that we have. I'm going to go rapid fire. I'm telling you right now, verses uh, point one, two, and three, we're going to go fairly fast. I want to park a little bit on the fourth, the fourth uh, deadline, if you will. So let's get right to it this morning. Notice with me, first of all, in regards to this sin, the Bible says, if any man see his brother sin, a sin. Now, by the way, the word sin, the first word we see, we see sin is the word that's most often we see for the Greek word for sin, it's the word harmatios, or we get the study of, in Bible college, or when you study the scriptures, you study the, the doctrine of harmatology, or the doctrine of the study of sin. That's the word harmatios right there. The second word is a different, completely different Greek word. It's the word pornonia. We get our word pornography from. If any man sin... A, a go into an evil, despicable, presumptuous, willful sin. If any man see a sin, his brother commit a sin, the Bible says, which is not unto death. Four things about sin, first of all, this morning, or deadlines of sin. First of all, sin, I want you to understand, is the root cause of death. Some of us are going to get cancer in this room. And we're going to die a slow death because of cancer. I don't mean to be mean and harsh or depressing. Some of us will get into an automobile accident in this room and go into heaven. Nineteen people got on a duck boat this past week. You all heard the story. Nine from one family, the Chapman family. I don't know if you saw it. Eleven folks from, the, from uh, Missouri came, went down several hours, or Indiana, I think it was. 
nine of the 11 family members, from a one-year-old baby boy, baby girl rather, to a 76-year-old, I believe it was. Nine of the 11 family members drowned in that duck boat. They went down for a vacation. The cause of death will be drowning. But I want you to know the root cause of all death, when Adam and Eve were in the garden, God gave them ability and privilege to eat all, of all the trees of the garden, but one tree they could not eat of. That was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. One prohibition, God said in Genesis 2.17, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the, 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 which is in the midst of the garden, thou shalt not eat of it, neither shall ye, uh, for the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. You may die by drowning. You may die by getting shot. You may die by cancer. You may die by whatever the case is. But the root cause why we all die, the Bible says, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. Three things about this deadline of the root cause of sin is death. First of all, sin separates. Sin separates. Man, I say this here. The Bible says that Adam and Eve his wife in Genesis 3, 8, after, as soon as the fall took place, they ran and they hid themselves from God. Hey, can I just be blunt for just a minute? Do you know why the houses of God all over America are not filled to beyond overflowing? Because run, people are running from God. Men are running from God. They, their sin separates them. They don't want to be confronted with a holy God. Sin separates. Isaiah 4, 59, verse one says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. Neither is ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God. And your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. Sin separates sinful man from a holy God. Secondly, sin saturates. Sin saturates. You say, what do you mean by that? We don't, we're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. Isaiah says it this way. Why will ye be stricken any more? Ye will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick. The whole heart is faint. From the sole of the foot, even unto the, the, to the head, there is no soundness in it but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. Their sin saturates. We are sinners by birth, aliens by choice. We sin and we sin willfully. We sin volitionally. We sin because sin we want to sin. We're presumptuous sinners. We like it. The wages of, we, we, we like the pleasures of sin, even though they're for a season. So sin separates, sin saturates, but thirdly, sin slays. Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death. I have to be careful here. I'm not trying to hurt anybody in this room here. I want to do that. I saw the commercial about uh, some of you have seen it on television about a lady. She's climbing a cigarette pile of uh, having smoked supposedly three packs a day for 40, 50 years and smoked how many? 150,000 cigarettes. And she's going to die and she wonders why. Our sin, eventually, the wages of sin is death. Eventually, our lifestyle, our sin catches up with us some sooner than others. Ezekiel 18 and verse 4, the soul that sinneth, mark it down, in God's time, in God's way, in God's day, it shall die. And so we know, first of all, the first deadline of sin is we see the root cause of sin is death. But secondly, and quickly, I want you to notice as we begin our text now, 
Verse 16 again for the third time. I want you to notice the sin of the Christian. The sin of the Christian. You see, the Bible says, if any man see his brother sin. In the context, it's undoubtedly talking about a child of God, a Christian. Do Christians sin? Of course they do. Pastor Parmar used it in his Sunday school class this morning. Christians are not perfect, they're just forgiven. The Bible is very clear about sin. Letter A on our worksheet, it is sure that it has happened. It is sure that it's happened. Glance over to chapter 2 of, uh, look at verse 1 again, of First John 2, verse number 1. My little children, talking to Christians, these things write unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. The preceding verse of the last chapter, verse 10, chapter 1. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar. And his word is not in us. There's many people that use Christians as an excuse for never getting saved. They say, if that's a Christian, I don't want to have anything to do with them. They're not perfect. Of course we're not perfect. We're sinners. I'm not making excuses. I'm just saying what it, what it is. And I'm going to say here in the next 20 minutes or so, or 15 minutes, whenever we get out of here in the next few moments, everyone in this room is a little bit more accountable than when you walked into this room. You see, to whom much is given, much shall be required. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. David said in Psalm 19, keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. May I suggest to you or submit to you that Christians, we sin willfully. We sin, we sin volitionally. Before I was saved, before I knew the law, knew the Bible, I sin, and many times I sin ignorantly. I very seldom sin ignorantly now. I sin willfully. I know what I'm doing. I'm a veteran. I understand what sin is. Sin, sure, it happens. Letter B, what do I know about this sin of the Christian? Remember, this, this is a deadline. There's a deadline to sin. The wages of sin is death, after all. But let it be, it is, this sin is settled at the cross. It's settled at the cross. Jesus died, he said, it is finished. 1 Corinthians 15, 3, For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which also I received, that Christ died for our sins, past, present, and future. He died for our sins according to the scriptures. And so bliss could write, My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross. And I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul. You see, all my sin, again, a verse the pastor used this morning in Sunday school. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. My sin is, my yesterday's sin, my today's sin, my forever sin was nailed at the cross of Calvary. My sin was, the deadline of sin for the Christian came to an end on Calvary's cross. It's uh, settled on the cross. But then that leads us to letter C in the worksheet as we dissect sin. Our standing, our standing, Colossians 2.10 tells us, and ye are complete in him. If you have Jesus, you have the Spirit. If you have Jesus, you have the Father. 
We are complete in him, and he is our all in all. He is, Jesus Christ is Christianity. He is salvation. He, we are complete in him. Our salvation is secure. Yes, somebody says, do you believe in that once saved, always saved business? Yes, I do. Because my salvation is all in Jesus Christ. It's all secure in him. I believe in he, the Bible teaches eternal security. Isn't that what verses 12 and 13 of 1 John 5 are all about? God's given us this no-so salvation. It was settled at the cross. Our standing is secure. But here's the dig. But our bodies are not always in subjection. First, and this book we won't re rehash, but we've looked at several verses in this book that teach us that in our spirit we don't sin anymore. In fact, later on in the verses 17 or 18 or 19, it'll say that. We don't sin those that are born of God. That's our spirit. But in our flesh, oh, the flesh, who shall deliver me from the body of this flesh? The answer is, I thank God through Jesus Christ, my Lord. But my body is not in subjection with my spirit. There's a war going on, a holy war between my new nature and my old nature. And I'll fight that battle until Jesus takes me home. And so we see the sin of the Christian. It's sure that it happens. It's settled at the cross. Our standing is secure, but our bodies are not always in subjection. But then thirdly, quickly, the Bible says back to our text, verse 16 of 1 John 5, one more time, look at it with me, please. If any man see his brother sin a sin which is not unto death, there is obviously, the Bible makes it very clear that there's the sin of a Christian not unto death. It says so right in our text. And so, first of all, think with me the specifics. What is this sin that's not unto death? Or what are these sins that are not unto death? Those are the seen sins. If any man see his brother... Sin a sin? I would suggest to you that I sin far more than you see me sin. Most of my sins, and I get tired of impugning me, so let me impugn you. Most of your sins are sins that are not seen. They're from the inside. You see, they're unseen. Jesus said, Matthew or rather, Mark chapter 7, verse 21. For from within, out of the heart of man, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornication, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, pride, or blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these things come from within and defile the man. I casually follow baseball and I saw the world the, the, the all-star game was last week of course and there's certain pitchers some of you have followed this and uh, he pitched in the all-star game but they found uh, he's 24 they found out uh, they searched his web they went back to when he was 17 and they got a they got a blog on him a racist slur that he made he's in a hot water something he said as a 17 year old kid it's all out there young people it's all out there adults on the on the web in the cloud the only place that's secure, it seems like, or that nobody can know about, it seems like it's the mind. But the Bible says he knows, he tries the thoughts and the hearts. He knows. And those inward sins are, come out. They start inside the heart and they, they are virtually manifested on the outside. We see the specifics of this sin that's not under death. Sometimes our sin is overt. 
But most of the time it's covert. Most of the time, a lot of times our sin is external, but most of the time it's internal. And so we see that the Bible says, if any man see a brother sin a sin which is not unto death, notice what it says, he shall ask and he shall give him life. He shall ask and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. Notice with me, secondly, quickly, letter B, the supplication. We had 10 men, uh, summertime, our, our men's prayer time is kind of waning a little bit as far as numbers of men coming. I know we're coming and going. It's busy, busy days. Summer always is. We had 10 men yesterday for prayer, and we offered up prayer requests. Fellas, you that were here, please don't get upset at me. But three weeks ago, four weeks ago, we were offering a prayer request, and as we were praying, some of us got emotional. We were offering up prayers with tears. And in some cases, I think we were praying for people that won't pray for themselves. People that don't see the need in their own life. But we were interceding for them. The Bible says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. James 5.16 says, pray for one another that ye may be healed. That's what we were doing. We were supplicating. We were praying. We were interceding for others. Galatians 6.1 says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in the fall, ye which are spiritual, restore such one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and thus fulfill the law of Christ. In this verse, verse 16 of our text, we see people praying for those Christians that have committed sins that are not unto death, praying that they will receive life, that they will receive forgiveness, and come to the, as uh, Timothy says, instructing those that oppose themselves, lest peradventure perhaps they be recover themselves from the snare of the devil. We see the specifics of this sin, not unto, sins under, not unto death. They're seen and unseen. We see the supplication, but then we know the solution. It's found chiefly in verses, verse 9 of chapter 1 of this wonderful book that we can quote. Notice the solution to this sin unto death. Bible says, can you quote verse 9 with me? But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so we have this first truth, this first teaching. Sin is the root cause of death. Sin is, the, the, we see the sin of the Christian. Yes, Christians still sin. We're not perfect, just forgiven. But we have an advocate with Jesus Christ the righteous. There are sins that are not unto death. But here's the, where we park for a few minutes now. I want you to consider this morning the truth found in our text, verse 16, the latter part of the verse, there is a sin unto death. There is a sin unto death. Consider with me the sin of the Christian unto death. Some sins are worthy, some crimes are worthy of Capital punishment. The Bible does teach, whoso sheddeth man's blood by his blood shall man, by man shall his blood be shed. The Bible teaches capital punishment. Quote the Ten Commandments right. Jesus said, thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not, he was quoting the Ten Commandments, of course, thou shalt do no murder. There's a difference between righteous execution, Romans 13, look at the book, read the Bible. 
the, the government bears not the sword in vain. There are capital offenses and there are offenses of sin that are not of a capital nature. So likewise, there are deaths that are worthy of a homegoing of, of a Christian. But through, through five things about that quickly. First of all, the Bible instructs us that we are not to pray for it. It says in the last phrase, verse 16, I do not say that ye shall pray for it. So we are not to seek or ask for it. In other words, we are not to, Lord, kill that Christian that's walking out of line. Now, he didn't say we couldn't pray that way, but he says, I'm, not, I'm telling you, don't, don't, you don't have to pray that way. Many years ago now, probably 30 plus years ago, I was at a place called Bob Jones University in, in uh, the chapel service. There's about 7,500 people. And Dr. Bob, boy, if he was alive today, I'm sure he would have been skewered, would have been, would have been uh, political correctness, would have destroyed him. He prayed in, in, uh, in front of 7,500 people out loud. There was a politician at that time, I can't remember who it was, was doing very wickedly and very uh, hurting the cause of Christ and hurting uh, God's children and so forth. I can't remember the details of it, but he prayed a prayer. And dear Lord, either save that congressman or kill him. And even to me, as I was by my head prayer, I said, whoa, that's a pretty strong prayer. Hope that doesn't get into the media. And, uh, but uh, we're not... Uh, we're, we're not uh, commanded to pray, or we're not ever, you know, pray that God kills that disobedient Christian. I don't want anybody to pray, listen, when I mess up, please don't pray. Kill the pastor shot, he deserves it. I, I deserve it probably 10 times over, a thousand times over, but don't pray, pray that way, please, I'm asking you. We are not to seek for it, but secondly, it surely can and does happen. There is a sin unto death. It can and does happen quickly, rapid fire. Old Testament is filled with examples. I've just given you a few. There's Lot's wife. Remember the story? The Lord said, flee Sodom and Gomorrah and don't look back. And Lot's wife turned back and she was turned into a pillar of salt. A sin unto death. We have Achan, the story of Achan, where he took the goodly Babylonian garments, and the gold and the silver. You know the story, most of you. God, not only that day that he was found out, that very day he was found out of his sin, not only did he get put to death, but his wife got put to death, his children got put to death, maybe his grandchildren, his whole family, maybe his brothers and sisters, the Bible says his entire family was put to death because, uh, hey, it reminds me, your sin does affect other people. Your sin does affect your family. Whether you want to admit it or not. Pardon me, just, it just popped in my head. It's not part of my message outline. They're not here to hear it. But right now my mind is racing. I think of family member after family member. Father especially. Man that said he got upset at something in the house of God and he's out of church. You know when he gets out of church, nine times out of ten, his wife gets out of church. You know when he gets out of church, nine times out of ten, 99 times out of 100, his kids get out of church. You lead by example. And Achan led by example, and it caused his early premature death and the death of his innocence, his own wife and his children and others as well. And then, of course, there's the story of Nadab and Abihu. They were priests of the Lord. They were sons of Aaron. They offered strange fire to the Lord. Well, that's Old Testament. You say, preacher, that's Old Testament. We're New Testament. Thank God for that. Amen. And all God's people said, we're in the age of grace. We love preaching. I love preaching about grace 
a dear friend of mine just changed his name. In fact, Pastor Bill Beck uh, was here a few a couple months ago, just sent me a text last week, as a matter of fact. They changed your name from Steadfast Baptist Church, which was a great name. Uh, they changed it for one reason or another to Grace Baptist Church. They're now Grace Baptist Church in Groton, Connecticut. Just changed it last week. I love grace. But in the New Testament era, Acts chapter 5, verses 5 to 10, I won't read all the verses, but I believe these people were children of God. I'm talking about Ananias and Sapphira. And the Bible says that they, when Peter confronted them, they had lied to the Holy Spirit that Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost. And great fear came upon all them that heard these things. A few hours later, his wife came, came in and not knowing what happened to her husband. And Peter said to her, Yea, or then, then Peter said unto her, How is it that thou hast agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the, Lord, of the Lord? Behold, the feet of them which have buried thy husband are at the door, and shall carry thee out. Then fell she down, fell she down straightway at his feet and yielded up the ghost. She died. First Corinthians eleven, twenty-nine and thirty. One of the most sobering verses. You know, you see, we understand that. Let me preach for just a few moments or teach. We understand that the Lord's Supper is not a sacrament. And all God's people said, now a lot of churches say it's a sacrament. We don't call it a sacrament. We call it an ordinance. Jesus died once for all. That's a sacrament. That's a sacrifice. But it's an ordinance. But it's a holy thing. I don't want to get have anybody baptized that doesn't want to be baptized and follow the Lord Jesus. And has been saved and born again. I don't want anybody to take part of the Lord's Supper that does it unworthily. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty nine, For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. Translation. Christians never die, we just sleep or we go home early or we, we're, God will not take our eternal soul from us but he'll take our body from us. He'll, 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 he'll offer up that sin unto death. 1 Corinthians 5 verse 5 refers to a man that was having an incestuous relationship with his, his stepmother. The Bible says, to deliver such one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. John chapter 15, verses 1 to 5, the Bible says, Every branch that beareth not fruit, the Lord purgeth and taketh away. Plenty of verses. And so we see this New Testament examples, and we read right here in the Word of God, if we have one verse, and we have one verse, there is a sin unto death. That's all I need to hear. The Bible tells me there is a sin unto death. I believe it. Now, by the way, it's just not in your worksheet. I just wanted to give you this and add this in just quickly. This sin and the death, it's, it's in his sovereignty. You say, what do you mean by that, preacher? I use my friend Donnie Hawkins as a quick illustration. Don was a, should be a pastor or the preacher of the gospel today. Now, I think Don's teaching Sunday school in Florida this morning. But he was a pulpiteer. He was a preacher at the age of 20. He was already pastoring or already preaching in churches with large numbers of people. And Don, I've told the story, he wouldn't mind me telling it. He got away from the Lord. He preached on Easter Sunday back 40 years ago. And by Thursday, four days later, he's from Wisconsin. He's in 
Louisiana, on the Gulf of Mexico, and an offshore oil rig. Don turned his life over to debauchery for 15 years. Don lived a wild life for 15 years, got into a relationship he shouldn't have been involved with, had kids in that relationship. And about at the age of 35, he had a Jonah experience. And God brought him back. He's now been faithfully serving the Lord for these last 25 years. His son just became the pastor of the New England Baptist Church in, up in north of Boston and took over for his father-in-law of 43 years. That was his son, or that is his son, I should say. Don said to, my, says to me on several occasions, he didn't know why God didn't kill him. But God in his sovereignty, God allowed Don to live. God knew and had grace and mercy, but he could have just as easily if sent, took him home early. But in his sovereignty, he gave him life to live. But this sin of the Christian unto death, it should, let her see, it should sadden us. This is serious business we're talking about. It should sadden us. In 3 John verse 4, it says this, I have no greater joy, John said, than to hear that my children walk in truth. Conversely, it should sadden us. I don't use myself as a glowing illustration of this, but I can say I've cried many, I think more than scores of times, I think it's been hundreds of times. I've wept over the sins of others, over the backslidden condition of a child of God that once used to serve God. Hey, by the way, do you realize, only I can grasp this better than anybody else, but not even, not even close like the Lord can. You mean how hundreds of people will be in the house of God this morning? Not only this house of God, but the houses of God all over America, and for that matter, all over the world. If people didn't fall away and willfully go into backsliding condition and fall away and cause others to fall away as well, houses of God all over America should be filled to overflowing. But sin has ripped a great caused a great catastrophe in, in churches and communities and families all over America and all over the world for that matter. It should sadden us. Letter D, it should sober us. This sin of unto death should sober us. The Bible says, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. It leads me to letter E. This sin, this sin unto death, it should drive us to sanctification. A setting apart. The word sanctification and the word saint come from the same root word. It's from the word hagias. It means to be set apart. I'm a saint. You're looking at St. Martin, by the way. And I'm looking at St. Paul sitting next to St. Betty. St. Brian sitting next to St. Jamie. We're saints. We've been sanctified. We've been set apart. We've been pronounced holy. We're privileged. We're a royal priesthood. It leads me to this wonderful truth, this sanctification that ought to cause me to fear, ought to sober me up, ought to sadden me when I see other Christians fall into this sin. So here's the truth to know, and I want to bring this to a close here with an illustration. You say, preacher, 
my sinning is nobody else's business. What I do is between me and my God. Well, first of all, that's not true. That's a lie. No man liveth or dieth unto himself, the Bible says. You affect others. You affect your family. You affect, member of Harvest Baptist Church, when you go into sin, you affect this church. You blaspheme Romans chapter 2, the name of Christ. Don't lie to yourself, the worst person you can lie to. Your sin affects not only you, but it affects everybody around you as well. Yes, it does. Say, well, my sin is, I'm under the blood, and besides that, I'm under grace, and it's nobody else's business, not the preacher's business, not, not my brother or sister's business. It's between me and my God. You're right! It's between you and your God. But here's where you're wrong. You see, I am wrong when I say the sin in my life is nobody's business. You're wrong. What, know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? Would you send you what you have of God and you're not your own? For you're bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You see, it's nobody's business, you say. But if you are God's child, it's God's business. I end with an illustration. We got our flag over there. I was talking to, I could tell you, they're in this room here, this, this, I won't embarrass them. Somebody in this room I was talking to, and they, they said how, and I, I was a point very well taken. We always stand for the pledge. But somebody was telling me how they don't put their hand on the heart. I'm fine with that. Their rationale was that, that uh, my highest allegiance is to God Almighty, Lord Jesus Christ, and to that I say a hearty amen. I agree with that. But I thank God for our country. And I thank God for the privilege. I was with the Oars yesterday just for a moment. They're from Pakistan. And they love our country because they came from a country, can I say, not, not as good as America, not so much. A place where they burn people in the streets. Yeah, really. They cut off heads. No exaggeration. Yeah, that's true. And they love America because the privilege and the freedom of people that paid the price that people all over the world want to come here. I want you to know that my Savior paid the price on Calvary's cross. He paid the price. He paid it all. That you and I might have life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness and dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He paid it all. We paid nothing. We can at least be grateful for what God has given to us. There is a sin unto death, and that sin unto death is willful disobedience in many different forms to a God that died, a Christ that died, and a Savior that died for all of our sin for us. What a God we serve. I know that God does have some deadlines, and there is a sin unto death. I do not say that you should pray for it, but God, God, God wants us to live for him and uh, not be guilty of these presumptuous sins. Let's bow for prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word this morning. Lord, I pray, Father, that you might work in hearts and lives. Lord, how willful, how arrogant, how presumptuous it is for Christians to think that they're, they can do their own thing, that they're under grace. Lord, they can 
trample upon the blood of Christ. They can sin because grace abounds much more. Oh, Lord, that's the devil's doctrine. What then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Lord, maybe there's some folks that need to do a business, do business at the altar this morning. Lord, speak to hearts. Then, Holy Spirit of God, do what only you can do in the life of an unbeliever, those that have not received Christ as Savior. Save those that need to be saved today, we pray. Bless in our moments of invitation, I pray, and I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 534 in the hymn book, 534 as we stand together. The invitation is open.